This is Allie Henney, and you're listening to Combing the Roots, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the quiet exodus. Keep listening. I'm back, and today I'm going to be talking about the quiet exodus. So in the first episode of this season, I discussed how I left my predominantly white church that I had been a part of for for some years, and just how that was a difficult experience. I, I shared my experience of some racial bullying that I had experienced there, some white fragility that I had experienced, some misogynal war that I had both experienced and witnessed, and even how the church how the pastor of the church kind of tried to cover some of this over. That was a thing, and it was difficult. But the thing is, is that I'm not the only Black person in the United States, or probably anywhere, that has had this type of experience. There are a lot of Black people who have had to leave their predominantly white church context. In fact, there are so many Black people that have left predominantly white churches that the New York Times wrote an article on this a couple of years ago titled The Quiet Exodus. And the whole article, it it talks about how in the wake of Donald Trump's election, Black people who believed in this project that, that the white church had come up with of racial reconciliation, there were Black people who were committed to this and and actually some of them left black churches and started attending white churches and had been there and this is something that had, that had started taking place in the in the late 90s and early 2000s and a lot of people had had been in these contexts for a couple of decades and then white people showed their tails specifically white evangelical christians showed their tails after Donald Trump's election and people realized that the people who they had been sitting on pews with were racist and really didn't give a heck about their well-being and, and a whole bunch of other things. And so the article kind of talks about that a little bit. So I had the privilege of interviewing one of the people who was interviewed for that article. Her name is Temi Spencer. She actually has a podcast and and, and does some different some different things in terms of activism. And it's something that, that she's somebody that you will definitely want to check out. In the next segment, I'm going to be sharing just a little bit of that interview with her. If you want to hear the full interview, you can become a patron. And the way that you become a patron of my work is to subscribe to Patreon. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I think I spelled it right. It'll be in the show notes. But you can become a patron of my work. You can become a patron of this podcast of the of the anti-racist work that I do for as little as $2 a month. And so for, for $2 a month, you get to hear cool interviews like what I did with Tamise. And there will be um, another interview that'll be up there for a few episode and then you'll also get to see some of the other things that I that I share with my patrons I have videos I have a thing that I've been working on for the past year or so um, not quite a year called the anti-racism workshop so I really encourage you to check that out so in talking about the quiet exodus it's something that is really 
deep and personal for me as a black Christian. I do not consider myself to be evangelical. I am evangelical adjacent, or I would I would consider myself at best to be evangelical adjacent. And really, at this point, I'm actually currently a, a member of the Episcopal Church. And I hope to be able to share about some of my journey and kind of how how I ended up there, perhaps in a, in a future episode. Right now, you can read a, a blog post that I have about it. Um, on my blog at thearmchaircommentary.com, thearmchaircommentary.com. You can go there. You can you can read the article. I believe that the name of the article. There's there's two articles actually that I've that I've written. One is called "When Seminary Changes You," and then the other one is called "Leaving Home." And so you can you can kind of get see read some more of of my of my story about about leaving my church, but then also kind of see a little bit about where where I've landed and, and kind of how that's been. But I hope to be able to talk about that on this podcast. But I I don't consider myself and I've never considered myself to be an evangelical. I grew up in the black church and I actually didn't start attending white churches until I went to college. And so it's one of those things that it's something that I honestly, if I'm, if I'm really, really about it, I kind of, I kind of regret. But I was just a young person trying to find myself and my, my, I grew up in the black church. That, that was all that I had known. Uh, my then fiance now, now he's my husband, but, but my fiance and I, whenever we were looking at churches to, um, to attend, whenever we were in college, we actually visited a black church in the denomination that my, that my church that I grew up in was, was part of. And we didn't, I, we liked the church. It was, there was nothing wrong with the church, but we ended up not going. And the reason why we ended up not going is because of course being a young person being 19 years old I wanted to, to spread my wings and and kind of do something a little bit different than what I had grown up with so we ended up at a predominantly white church at a predominantly white Pentecostal church and while there was definitely I had I had some good experiences there I also had some not so good experiences in that context I guess that the past is the past and, and history is the history but but my experience kind of with the white church has been different. And people debate about whether or not Pentecostals are evangelical. Um, I think that technically Pentecostals are evangelical, but Pentecostals typically don't fit into evangelical culture. But increasingly, they're fitting into evangelical culture because they have aligned politically with a lot of evangelicalism. And that's a whole other thing. And really, I mean, you know, I'm talking about church stuff. And I hope that if you're somebody that is a, is a, isn't a Christian, and I wish that I would have said this at the top of my podcast, but this, I know that, that you know, I'm talking some Christianity inside ball, but I really hope that you will will be able to to get something out of what I'm talking about, even if you are a person not of the Christian faith or a person of, of no faith at all. There are some there just are some deep principles in some of the things that that Tamise will talk about in the interview and some of the things that I'm going to be talking about pertaining to this to this quiet exodus. And so there's a, there's a lot of people that that like me went to black churches, maybe even grew up in the black church, and then for various reasons found ourselves in white, predominantly white churches. Something that, that I'm also running into, I've run into, I've run into several people who are in their, their late teens and, and 20s who actually, the only church experience that they've ever had has been in white evangelical churches, which is something that I, that I find really interesting and really perplexing at the same time um, because I, I, like, I grew up going to predominantly black 
black churches. And so that informs a lot of how I perform my Christianity. That um, informs a lot of how I how I read the Bible. It informs how I preach. It informs a lot of different things. So so it's kind of um, interesting for me to, to realize that there are people who all they know of church is white church. And I really, I you know, I hate to say it, but I but I really feel sorry for for black people who only know white church context and don't ha- and don't have the experience of the richness of the black church. I, I mentioned that I am currently a, a member of the Episcopal Church. I am really hoping to to very soon be able to start attending a black Episcopal church. Just some some things have to have to line up for for that to happen. But um, the Episcopal Church isn't known for being over an overwhelmingly black denomination but that's a whole other discussion and something that I'll that I'll definitely get into um whenever whenever I share more about my experience and about and about my journey into the Episcopal Church but for now I want to concentrate on these black evangelicals or these black evangelical adjacent folks who found their way into the white church and now are leaving and we're leaving and we're leaving in droves i dare say but a lot of us aren't leaving loudly and so the next segment i'm going to talk just for a moment about why i think that is So why are black people leaving these predominantly white churches? I think that in order to answer that question, we have to first answer another question is why were black people in these white churches in the first place. And so in the first segment, I shared a little bit about my journey into the white church, which effectively comes down to I grew up in the black church. The black church is at the core of, of who I am as a as a person of Christian faith. But as of somebody that, that attended college in a predominantly white city where there weren't a lot of black churches, I, and at the time, the denomination, the, the specific denomination that I was part of really kind of felt like I could only attend a church that was, that was like that. And so went to the church in town the black church in town that was in the denomination that I grew up in and liked it, but just was like, I want to spread my wings and I want to try something different. So I went to a black church or a white church rather that was very similar in belief to the church that I, that I had spent my teenage years and stuff in. Um, but it was, but it was predominantly white. And so I kind of was there, I guess, as a way to kind of find myself and not be and and something that that I definitely feel I I definitely have regrets over but it is what it is and and like I said before I mean history is history it is what it is I I I did what I did um but there are a lot of black people that that leave black churches for for a lot of different reasons for me it wasn't there there wasn't any like church hurt there wasn't any reason it was just more like I kind of want to do something different and I kind of want to explore something different and so I, I found a church that that at the time sort of fit me um there were some aspects of it that didn't that didn't really fit me but there but there were other aspects that that did and I and I felt a drawing and a calling to be there so I was there and I think that a lot of that even was not that so I could be traumatized and like be like oh hey I was traumatized but I think that I uh, the way that I that I choose to look at those experiences that that the experience in, in that first church that I attended and in subsequent churches 
is that it really gives me a position of authority from which to speak on this, considering now uh, being part of a mainline Protestant church. Um, it can be kind of it, like some sometimes people in that context don't quite have a framework or an understanding of what goes on in some of these other churches. And so I, I think that that you know every every experience I, I really think can can be redeemed, or maybe not every experience. But I think that there's that that at least something that I found true in my life. I can't say that it's necessarily true for yours, but something I found true in my life is that I've been able to, is that there are situations that were just terrible that I've been able to find kind of a, a silver lining too. And so I think that that's one of the silver linings. But for a lot of black people, I think a lot of black folks leave predominantly black church contexts out of church hurt. I think that there's that there is definitely that component that component where because black people, you know what, we're not perfect and our churches aren't perfect and wherever you go, you're going to have people who do things that are frustrating and that are hurtful. You're going to even have people that do stuff that's totally inappropriate and you're going to you're going to have unhealthy situations. That's not the black church as a whole. I don't I, I want to resist categorizing the black church as unhealthy and dysfunctional. But I do think that that dysfunction is it can be part of people's black church experience. I know that I have that further back in my black church history where there where I was part of a church where there definitely um, was some dysfunction and and it wasn't it wasn't a, a good scene in a lot of ways. And so I think that that there are black people that kind of leave those situations and sometimes they leave those situations and like they like like there's only one black church where they live so they have to go someplace else and so there's so there's that reality of like okay well there's only one black church so I'm gonna have to go to a white church now and so I think that that even th so there's that reality there's also the reality of people thinking that the white man's ice is colder and so they leave predominantly black churches because they see kind of the facade the, the, the dressed up kind of nature of like oh look things are things are deeper and things are this and that and and the other that that weren't in the black church and and to me whenever we get to the interview i think that that she references that some um in in her interview this so i think that that's that that's a, a component that that black people have I think that there's another aspect to it too, and it's something that I don't think that people really have looked at a whole lot until recently, but a lot of black folks, I think, really, really believed in this idea of racial reconciliation and so it was like okay you know church shouldn't be segregated people talk about how i mean martin luther king you know, even said like 11 o'clock at at 11 o'clock on a sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week and that's something that's that's still very true and so i think that there are a lot of black people who are like well, you know, we don't want that. So we're going to, so we're going to go and we're going to, and we're going to try to bring racial healing and whatever, except for what, the, unfortunately, what happens in this type of context, uh, the theologian, black theologian, James Cone said it the best whenever he talks about how integration is a, a one-way street that's only traveled by the black man. He said black man, but he wasn't inclusive in his language, but, but it's, oh, it's a road that's only traveled one direction by black people. And that is so true. And so the, there were different movements in the late 90s that were positioned toward racial reconciliation and healing. And the idea was like, oh, we should be we should all be one. We should all go to church together. But then like the white folks stayed at their churches and then black folks left their church. 
and the white folks just stayed at their church and so then we came up into their context like we came into their churches and we're like okay hey we're here and basically we were told like well there's stuff wrong with a black church and so like you know it's good that you're here because you can now you can get good teaching and you can learn how to really be a christian now and and a lot of black people kind of bought into that hype and they bought into okay this is how we have you know racial reconciliation in the church is i have to be in a white context and so i think that there's a lot of people that bought into that and there's and there's generations uh, or, or, or a generation rather i guess maybe multiple maybe two generations now of young people who all they've ever attended they have no grid for the for for the black church because all they've ever attended has been predominantly white churches and it's something that um that i think that since the election of donald trump people have just it's it's people have seen where where their quote-unquote brothers and sisters their their siblings in christ in evangelical context there's 81 percent of of white evangelicals voted for trump that there's like a huge sense of betrayal that that happens whenever you go to church and you're sitting on that pew and you're looking to your left and to your right and you're a black body in a sea of white and you look to your left and right and you see people that voted for somebody that you feel like is a bigot and is hateful and um has allowed has 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 um rather they they've they've been a catalyst for a public resurgence of white supremacy white supremacy has always been a thing but now it's okay it's okay to be white um that's like a whole thing that like the whole campaign that that some of these folks have out here but white supremacy like it's it's in the streets unhooded and that a lot of it is because of this presidency and because of the things that he's telegraphed so there's a lot of folks that really really felt like super betrayed after after all of that and they walked away so in this next segment i'm going to talk to somebody who was in one of these predominantly white contexts and walked away stay tuned So the moment that you all have been waiting for, this interview with Timmy Spencer, let me tell y'all, it is worth the $2 to go on Patreon and be able to become a patron and be able to listen to this interview. It's it's worth all of your money to listen to this interview. She spits flames every single time. Every single thing that she says is just full of of weight and wisdom and everything. So I really encourage you to, to listen to the entire interview. But the part of the interview that I want to share with you all, Tamisa just told me about some of her experiences as being part of the Reformed movement and also being part of the the charismatic prayer movement and so that's where our interview picks up 
so you're you're in these movements you you have a sense at the time as you're as you're new mm-hmm. as you're kind of like a neophyte in these spaces you you have this mm-hmm. sense of of safety you have this sense mm-hmm. of of nearness to god that you that you mm-hmm. are given answers you're given answers that are that that feel like pat answers you have the you mm-hmm. have all this stuff and you mention that you start to that as you start to become closer to jesus you start to become more distant from your roots. You start to become more distant from the, from your heritage, from who you were as you, as you came, as you became saved in in the black church and then your blackness and your identity. So what did that process look like for you? How did that, how did that happen? Well, you start to develop a distaste first for the music. Like, I remember that was the first thing like, oh, they're not saying anything in this music. And why is everybody screaming and being so emotional? Because the first thing to go, especially with Five Point Calvinism, is emotions um, and feeling. Mm -hmm. Feeling is like the enemy (laughs) of God. You know, we need to be sound and stoic, you know. And so obviously the black church, for the most part, has a lot of emotion and movement and rhythm involved and spontaneity involved. And so, you know, that was the first thing was being like, oh, this music is just like, not like if I'm going to be mature, then I have to be stoic. And so you go from there to the type of preaching and you know, being taught that expository preaching is the sound way to do it. And anyone who's not doing this this way is actually not preaching the gospel and they're not sound. And they might not be a heretic, but they're, you know, dangerous, you know, <laughs> dangerously close. And so you start to distrust the voices of Black leaders and Black preachers. And you go from that to, for me, I went from that into this prayer movement, which is not much different. I mean, even though they talk a little bit about spontaneity and all of that, it's basically the other side of that Calvinism coin. And um, I remember thinking like, I'm, I'm just vacillating between self-righteousness and self-hatred um, this whole time. That's what I realized was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, I'm just flipping the coin, basically. It's just mm-hmm. like if a coin were to continue to be flipped over and over and over again. And so I think, you know, as you mature in Christ, or I don't know what you would call it, I don't know if mature is the word, but as you kind of go deeper in God, you know, you want you want to go deeper. And every young person always, like when they meet Jesus, they have that hunger for more. They want the more itch in the the deep things of God. And it felt like the deeper I went in God, the less trustworthy Black leaders were um, wow. to the point that there's a Black man a black man is being elected to the White House and I can't even see what's happening. And I miss mm. the moment. I miss wow. that moment. It's probably the biggest regret of my life. I miss wow. that moment because I was being told by these leaders who were supposed to be pastors and shepherds in my life that this man is the worst thing that could have ever happened to America. And it is the exact opposite of that, right? Like this man wow. is is a prophetic witness to where we are right now. We're putting a black man in the White House. And then you remember he does this interview and he says, you know, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon and I've been pulled over before. And I just remember weeping and going, oh my God, I missed this moment. Like, this, you know, antichrist figure that they told me he was 
is actually feeling the same pain that I feel and that I had become convinced that Jesus was feeling over these young boys and over these men whose lives were cut short. And so I think that's for me, I think if you are reading these people, um, they are telling you that they're objective and they are telling you that this is, you know, sound theology, but they are white and male. And so now that my eyes have been open, I realized like maturity in Christ and evangelicalism equals being a white male, basically. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I, I was never going to be that. And I'm just thankful that I got out when I got out. back and I told y'all that this interview was flames you really are going to want to pay the two bucks to go over to patreon become a patron for for two dollars a month and listen to this interview there is so much that there's so much that that's just so much depth so much that's this this rich she has she provides so much insight from from not just I, I think it's stuff that's not just relevant to being part of the particular context that she's in but she really just incisively talks about some of the cares and concerns and and different things that she learned and picked up in the white church and and the effect that 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 has on people the reason why I wanted to play this particular clip for you all why I wanted this to be part of the podcast episode is because she so eloquently articulates how whiteness is just disconnected from everything that goes on with black people. And it's not just white Christianity, like it's, it's white everything, but this, but it, it, I feel like that is particularly insidious whenever you attach faith to it, because it becomes, uh, whenever you start to attach faith to these types of things, it becomes uh, people's conscience, like it ties people's conscience to it. It ties their sense of morality. It ties their sense of of like well being, their sense of even eternal well being to it. And so it creates this whole other layer of just of just yuck of of disgustingness that that whenever you attach religion to white supremacy, it just it does something just awful. And it's it's like another level of of dehumaniz of dehumanization because you're spiritual life that's something that is intimate it's something that's that's part of you and it's a deep part of you if you're if you're if you're a religious or or a spiritual person it's something that's a deep part of you so it's like for for black people I think being in some of these white supremacist white Christian spaces it's like we're opening up the depths of our soul and then white supremacy is being poured into it and it's being poured into it but we're but they're but we're being told like this is this is what's right this is what's holy this is what's good this is what is is going to make you close to Jesus or whatever it is and there's just something that is that is particularly just disgusting uh, about that and so there are a lot of people that it took the election of a white supremacist president to have them realize that they don't need to be 
in that space. And there are a lot of black people who are going through a process of kind of, of, of deconstructing their faith, of deconstructing what it means to, to be a black person in America in the 21st century. And for a lot of people, it's even to be a black Christian. Now, something that I, that I can say is that, that, that Tamisa's been, that Tamisa's experiences were so different than mine in a lot of ways. And you'll hear about some of that in, in the interview if you if you listen to more of the interview. I, I'm so thankful that I was uh, rooted and, and grounded in the black church in a way that that uh, allowed me whenever I went into some of these other spaces. I think that also being being Pentecostal and, and kind of going to the, the Pentecostal church that I chose to, to attend in college was similar in some ways to the black church, similar in kind of worship style and preaching style. So it was kind of more of a more of a gradual shift into into some of these more evangelical adjacent spaces. And I, and I talk about in the, in the interview about how um, Tamisa and I ended up kind of in some of the same some of the same spaces and, and, and in the same circles and everything. Um, but I think that 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 for me that was something that kind of I, I haven't had to go through that level of deconstruction I haven't had to go through the idea of okay so everything I know about Jesus is is white supremacy because I, I think that some of it was just that I, I I don't I don't really understand it I think that just that just my personal process was was sort of knowing what I believed and knowing what I had been taught in the black church and I just had always depended on that kind of cultural memory that I that I have from from being there that I mean that's not to say that I walked away from from some of these different white church contexts completely unscathed. I mean, that would, that would be completely disingenuous. I mean, I talked about that in the, in the first episode of the season about just how difficult leaving the church was. And and I say that it was difficult to leave. It wasn't difficult to leave. It was because we, we left because we couldn't stay, but just that it was difficult to lose the support system. It was difficult to lose friends. And I think that the most difficult aspect really of, of leaving the, the church that, that I left, the most difficult aspect of it was really, Realizing that there are black people who are still there and I know that some of the people who are still there that they're that they're wrestling with being there um, that they're wrestling with some of the issues and sometimes the question becomes for some black folks is we leave these white churches well where do we go and I really feel like that some of that has to do with black church hurt is that first well there's black church hurt and then there's like people who don't know anything about the black church and have kind of some of these wrong-headed ideas about what the black church is so there's and, and black people who have internalized racism and bias against the black church so I think that there's that there's really that aspect of it that that happens and then there's also hurt. There's also frustration. And I, I something that I realize is that black people, I, I recognize that, um, that not every black church space is a safe space for, for black people, like for, for certain types of black people. I understand that, you know, there's, there's a lot of black churches that aren't safe for our queer siblings that, that, that aren't welcoming that, that where, where homophobia and transphobia and queerphobia is just, is, is rampant. And so it's not safe. Um, there's also churches that black churches that are patriarchal and 
so you have as a woman in ministry as much as there as much as I support and love the black church there are some black churches that do not allow women to be in ministry or that that the leadership and stuff is that the denomination or whatever is patriarchal and so I think that, that we have to acknowledge that the very the very real the very the very valid um, presence of some of those things that maybe prevent some of us from going to black churches but that isn't the totality of the black church and I think that that's something that that we forget as black folks is that like I get it that you I and I, I say this having grown up in a rural context where there was for most of my upbringing there was one black church in town and so uh we went to that one black church and then the budget stuff happened and so my family started going there so we started driving 40 minutes to a different town to go to church to go to one of the black churches there and so i i get that like sometimes you're in a context where there's just not a lot of where there's just not a lot of black churches but i think that we have to get a vision for the black church and that might not mean and whenever i say the black church i don't just mean historic black denominations there are black churches that are that are faithful witnesses to not only like what the bible says but are faithful witnesses to blackness and are faithful expressions of blackness and they are in white denominations and they're there taking the white man's money and they and this you know they're segregated and a lot and a lot of times you know they're they're the black church in the denomination and nobody really like they don't really interact with anybody and nobody interacts with them and it is and it is what it is but I think that we that we have to lift our vision for black churches and there's a lot of non-denominational black churches and so there's a lot of churches that you just have to go to and you just have to get a feel for it and you just have to sit and and listen and get into the community but I really feel like that black folks as we're as we are quietly leaving these white spaces and for some of us it's not so quiet leaving because for some of us I think that it's not just Donald Trump is not why some of us left it's because these people have said like hey we're, we're here and we want to have racial reconciliation which is a term that I really really dislike I've used it a few times but in this in this podcast but I really actually dislike that that term and I won't go into the reasons why I dislike it but this but there's this idea that like we're, we're here and we and we're welcome and we want you and we want to and we don't want there to be racism and we don't want to be racist but it's all kind of a, of a facade it's it's well-meaning but it's still a facade because it's we want black people as long as they don't act black we want to do racial healing and reconciliation as long as it doesn't require us to admit that we're that we are actually racist we want to treat racism like it's this problem that affects some people over there and so we're gonna like not be it here so like I, I've even I've, I've even heard this language of like we don't want the divisions that are in the church or that are in the world to be in our church and it's like but the but you have people coming into your church who are people who live out in this world and they see a white supremacist president they they engage with white supremacy wittingly and unwittingly on a regular basis how can you expect that all of a sudden you're going to show up to a church at 10 30 on a Sunday morning and not be and be in proximity to black people and there's still not be racism it's 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 atrocious it's it's completely it's absurd it's an absurd notion to to think that you can somehow create this little racial utopia and create the racial utopia by not talking about race and not 
requiring white people to actually work on their racism. And so a lot of people just want that they, they want to to have all the black people and to feel good because racial reconciliation and and racial healing and anti-racism and whatever, that's like the hottest thing in the streets right now. And it gets you a lot of attention and it gets you accolades and it gets you whatever. But at the end of the day, they don't want to actually do the work. And so I really feel like that we as black folks, we have to get a vision for our own people. We have to get a vision for our own spaces. Now, I'm not saying so, so because I'm sure that somebody will be listening to this and some because it's always like so it's always one. It's always one. But it's like, well, y'all are just wanting to segregate. Like, well, well we, 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 we should we don't have to segregate our ancestors didn't blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying like it's not about segregation. It's about our safety. It's about our well-being. It's about it's about our dignity. And it's I mean, white people could certainly, you know, attend black churches i don't think that there's any that there's any law against that i mean i think that black people need to act right or white people excuse me need to need to act right whenever they attend black churches and we can talk about whether or not that's a violation of the safe space like there's a there's a whole conversation that we can have about that um that's that's a whole other different conversation but my but my main point is is that i think that black people we need to get a vision for our own people we need to get a vision for for our faith, for our expression of faith, and not always feel like we we have to in, in order to to heal racism that 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 necessitates us to always be putting ourselves in places of harm. Um, I think that yeah, we we have to we have to to really be reconciled with white people or to really be, I shouldn't say reconciled to, to have actual conciliation because you can't reconciliate something that was never conciliatory in the first place. But anyway, I think that in order for, for us to, to have these relationships and to, and to, and to build these bridges and whatever, to, to, to get rid of racism, to, to, to tamp down the, the power of racism, it does necessitate in some respect that we, that we engage with white people but at the same time that engagement with white people it's not mandatory for us to be hurt and to be and to be trampled on and to be in contexts that are just unhealthy and unsafe so that's something that I would like to see more black Christians do is to just say you know what we're done with these spaces where there's false peace we're done with these spaces where there's not really healing where there's not really reconciliation we're done with these with these places that that aren't good for us and we're going to go and we're going to we're going to build our own proverbial table we're going to we're going to create our own proverbial spaces and sure like if a white person wants to show up if they have, if they act like they have some sense okay you know you're well you're welcome here but we're not going to keep trying to trying to seek validation and trying to feel like that that our that our whole lives are dependent on being petted on the head by white folks I mean that's that's not going to get us anywhere I think that that's that that's what got us to this point in the first place imbibing the white man's snake oil that's like oh yeah racial reconciliation we care about that but not but but pers- and we've been persistent we've been we've or we've been um we've been uh 
I, I was gonna say perseverant, but I don't feel like that that's a, that that's a word. We've persevered. I mean, it's like there's a lot of folks that have been in these contexts for 20 years or better they, that they've raised their kids in these contexts. And I get it that a lot of y'all like have still like a lot of y'all black evangelicals still have vision for the evangelical church and whatever. But I'm just saying that you know what? If if you're in a place, if you're in like the the maybe the five churches that exist where white people, the five ev- white evangelical churches where white people aren't showing their behinds. If you're in that place and stay there. And that's also, and I guess that I'll say really quick before I wrap up here is that I'm not absolving mainline Protestantism at all whatsoever because progressive churches, mainline churches, white liberals have their own problems, have their have their own issues and have their own unique forms of racism, but it's just that black people uh, our, our religion, our our we tend to be more so politically liberal but socially conservative and so sometimes we find ourselves in some of these same spaces as evangelicals and and we find ourselves drinking from from to, to be like super churchy language we find ourselves we find ourselves drinking from their wells just being really super uh white christianese here but we but we find ourselves in in these contexts and i just and i think that we just have to say that enough is enough if if we're not going to be treated right if our dignity isn't going to be respected and if people aren't going to actually work on their dang racism then we just gotta go and i don't think that it has to be quiet i think i think that there's a point when we need to get loud this has been combing the roots Special thanks to producer Joshua Heath and executive producers Tyler Burns and Bo York. Catch up with what I'm doing on these internet streets by visiting AllieHenny.com. There you'll be able to connect to my Twitter feed, my Instagram, and my Facebook writers page. Combing the Roots is powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Allie Henny. Peace.